Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. Stand for our scripture reading. I'm going to read from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. It's already been mentioned, but... This is our last week of our Formed in Worship series, so page 1,185 if you want to follow along, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the word of the Lord. The Apostle Paul wrote this little short letter of Colossians during one of his two stints in Prison. So one thing to note right out of the gate is everything he says here is being written while he is in less than ideal circumstances. He's in difficult circumstances when he writes this letter. And the passage I just read is near the end of this short book of Colossians, and he is giving final instructions to his readers. And these final words are what we call in our worship gathering the benediction. Literally, the word means good words, and it has to do with this idea, the good words we say to each other at the end of our time together on a Sunday morning, or maybe more simply, the blessing we pronounce to one another at the end of our gathering. This is our last week of our Formed in Worship series, and during this series, we've been talking about what exactly it is we do when we're gathered together on Sunday morning in these worship gatherings and how what we do forms us into Christ-centered people and perhaps even more importantly into a Christ-centered community. And the benediction, believe it or not, is a crucial part of these worship gatherings. I imagine that that surprises some of you. I imagine that many Uh, Perhaps or some perhaps think that those words we say at the end of a gathering are simply a fancy way of saying, now get out of here. But there's a lot more going on there. When we have our benediction, hands get extended, not so much up to God, but out. And a benediction is given. And when this happens, many of you will extend a hand back, rightfully so. It is a mutual blessing we are pronouncing upon one another. Our hands are extended in part because our bodies are engaged in this blessing. We are demonstrating through our bodies and signifying through our bodies the blessing, the good words we are asking God to bring to one another, that we are pronouncing upon one another. And so the benediction or the blessing is given and it is received. It is a mutual thing. And when We do this at the end of the service. We do it as a sending out from this gathering in the power of Jesus to bring his kingdom shalom 
into the brokenness of this world, wherever we live, wherever we work, wherever we go to school, whomever we interact with, and whatever our circumstance. It's an extraordinarily powerful expression of worship in our time together. It is the sending out. It is the now we go forth and we live out what we have just been interacting with. Some would say, and I certainly would, that the benediction is quite possibly the most important part of our worship experience because it is a reminder to us that our worship does not end when the service ends. But we go forth as witnesses of Jesus, as carriers of his shalom. We go forth, in other words, as his worshipers into this world. May the grace and the peace and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, and everyone says, and also with you, the blessing of God's presence and power upon us. And we are sent in his grace and with his peace and in his power to be salt and light in this broken world. Paul's benediction in Colossians 4, that we're thinking about for a moment today, again, was written from the less-than-ideal setting of prison. And he's inviting them to do a number of things in that situation. But I want us to not skip by that. He's writing from prison. His circumstances are not ideal. And yet he says to his readers, be devoted to prayer and be watchful in prayer. I like that picture of being watchful in prayer as we think of benediction. Have eyes and ears open in the midst of our circumstances, whatever they may be, looking and listening for the activity of the Spirit among us and in those with whom we interact. So we go forth, sent out, being watchful in prayer with eyes and ears open, attentive to what God is doing in our lives and in our circumstances, whether they are ideal or less than ideal. He asked the Colossians to pray for him and to pray for his friends. Again, he's in prison, but he asks them to pray for open doors for him, for opportunities, even in the midst of his situation, to be a witness for Christ. This is Paul's being an example to us of living on mission, living as a testimony testimony to the reality of Jesus and to the goodness of his kingdom right where he is in prison. He asks them to pray that he would be able to proclaim the mystery of Christ, both in words undoubtedly as well as in his actions. And then he says, be wise in how you relate and interact with those who are not followers of Jesus. As you go forth, as you step back out, live with wisdom as you interact with people who are not following God, who are not part of his people yet. In other words, all of this adds up to live as people who have been sent by God into the world, people who are living on mission. And this idea of being sent is crucially important, especially in light of the state of our world. This idea that we come and we gather, and when our time comes to an end, a pronouncement of blessing is made and we send one another back out into the world is absolutely crucial, particularly in light of the world we all inhabit. 
See, this worship gathering is important because we come together probably to do something we haven't done all week long, and that is to gather with other people and to exclusively focus our attention on God and adore Him and honor Him. And as we do this, as we've been saying, we are shaped into a particular kind of people, people as individuals, people as a community who then go forth out into the world. And a huge question many people who think about these things are currently wrestling with is this. How do we live as kingdom people in a chaotic and broken world? How do we live, in other words, on mission? What does that actually look like in the midst of the world we now live? How do we live as salt and as light out in our everyday lives? And I want to give you what I think is a rather profound example of a couple of people who are asking this question and trying to do this. I had on Friday, I was invited to a couple's house from our church Friday mid-morning, and they'd been asking me to come for a number of months, actually. We're trying to coordinate when to do this because they've recently moved into this new house, and they didn't know if they were going to be there for very long. They didn't know how long they'd live in the neighborhood. It's in a different location than they're familiar with. But the burden they could not shake was for their neighbors. They just had this recurring sense that they, they were there for the sake of their neighbors. They were there to bring some kind of witness, some kind of presence to the neighborhood where they were now living. If you want to use the word, they had a sense of calling in the neighborhood where they were now living or being sent into that neighborhood. Wasn't the neighborhood they thought they would live in. There was a lot about it they weren't sure of. We might say the circumstances were not ideal, but they could not shake this sense of being, this sense of being sent there. So what they did after a matter of time is they made up flyers. They wrote out a one-page flyer, and they said, we want to get to know you as our neighbors. And so they invited their neighbors over to their house. Most of these folks they didn't know. The ones they did know, they knew only on a, hey, how's it going kind of a basis. They made up these flyers. They invited them over to their house. And here's how they did it. They went door to door through their neighborhood, knocking on the door. Imagine that. People opened the door. Imagine that. They stood face to face with them. Imagine that. And they invited them with their mouth, imagine that, to come to their house and sit around their table and bring food and hang out and get to know each other. So they had a potluck feast at their table in their home. And this is one of the things they told me as they were relaying all this, how shocked they were at how enthusiastically people said, absolutely. And in some cases, we have something planned already for that time, but we're going to move that or cancel that because we want to be part of this. So last night, roughly 20 or so people catch this image. If you need help, just stare at this table. 20 or so people gathered around the table in the home of some people in our church to feast, to relate, to get to know each other, and this couple, in ways that are incredibly beautiful to watch, simply trusting God's Spirit to be at work in this thing, to let Him move among them 
and stir and see what happens. They're not forcing anything. They're not pushing anything. They're not smacking people with the Bible in their head. They're just there, present with them, with a sense of what is God's Spirit doing here? I just absolutely love that. If you're looking for some way to make more concrete this idea of living on mission, that's about as good as I've come across in a long time. This is a big question in front of many followers of Jesus. This issue of living Christian in a post-Christian culture. What does it actually look like? It's really important. So, a few things I want to mention. And the first is, starting next weekend, and for, the, for that next weekend and for the five weekends after. So for the next six weeks, starting next weekend, we are going to embark on a new series together a pretty critical series in my opinion, and we're going to deal with this very issue I just brought up. We're calling it a community of difference. Not E-N-C-E, but E-N-T-S. A community of different people. And the subtitle is Living Christian in a Post-Christian World. How do we actually go out into this world and live as Jesus' followers in light of the tensions and the stress and the conflict and the violence and the anger And the difficulty, all these issues, how do we actually do that? So we're going to spend six weeks on this. It's going to come straight from the book of 1 Peter. If I recall, we'll be looking at a passage out of 1 Peter each week. There's actually, if this app gets going, there'll be a reading plan on the app that you can look at to read the passage that we'll actually be talking about on the upcoming Sunday Uh, This is just an important issue for us to consider as we seek to live as Jesus' people in this culture. We're going to talk about the importance of transformation. We're going to talk about the importance of relationship. We're going to talk about hope. We're going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about suffering and many other things, all of which are right there in 1 Peter, and we're going to wade into that together. Second, I want to mention some small group opportunities that flow right out of this idea of living on mission and flow right out of this new series we begin next week. We've asked our small groups to set aside whatever it is they've been doing this fall and kind of track with this next series for six weeks. And the way we're asking them to do that is we are going to provide our small groups with two or three questions and the scripture passage, things for them to chew on and talk about when the groups get together that have to do with this issue of living on mission. And so we'll have uh, questions for them, and they'll be leading their groups in those ways. But some of you don't have a small group. Perhaps some of you have been coming recently, and you're not all that connected, or maybe you've been coming for a long time. And you're coming as an individual to a communal thing but you're still functioning as an individual within this communal thing, and you'd like to have a place where you can connect. This is a great chance to do that in the back of the room, right in the middle, right in your path as you're leaving, so you don't walk right by it. There are a couple of tables, and at those tables, there are two brand new groups that are hoping to start, comprised of people who want to get connected and begin by talking about some of these missional things that we'll be getting into over the next six weeks. Some time ago, we did what we called fire pit groups, very laid back, relaxed, people getting together and talking about significant things. These new groups are starting in the spirit of the fire pit groups, a place to connect 
and interact on some pretty important stuff related to living on mission. So the tables on the left will have the new groups. There's two, and the leaders will be there. The table on the right, we have about seven existing groups that have room for anyone who would like to get in one. And so you can either join a new one or... There are some others on the right, all different times during the week that you can look at. I would encourage you uh, to go back there and check that out after the service. Third thing I want to mention related to the missional series we're going to begin next week is we have a seminar coming up that is going to be led by our own Sean Young. I'll talk about uh, him in a second, but this seminar is called Missional Skills for Ordinary People. We've done enough of these series to know that one of the questions in people's minds is, well, I don't know what to do. You talk about this thing with the neighborhood and sitting in a table, being at work. I have no idea what it looks like to be missional in that context. What do I say? How do I bring these things up? How do I get into any of this? What's that even look like? This seminar on the 27th of October, uh, Sean Young, who is a uh, important leader within InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Sean travels all over the world, and one of the things he does is he helps people grapple with this question. What does mission look like for everyday people? How do I find God in the midst of my ordinary circumstances? What do I actually do to live on mission in the life I actually have? And this is an outstanding way to get some practical help and help address some of those questions. And Sean is the perfect person to actually lead it. So you can go online, go to event registration, and you can sign up to, get, uh, to, become, to be a part of that. It'll be from 9 to noon on the 27th. Then there's one other opportunity I want to call your attention to, and it's our Understanding People Retreat that's going to be happening on November 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. It will be led by our own Evie DeRoos, who's been a therapist for a long time, and has a particular passion around this idea of understanding people, meaning, what is it that makes any one of us tick? Why are we wired the way we are wired? What, do we, what is it unique in this person that maybe is not in that person? Why do some people gravitate toward this and others gravitate toward that? And how does all of that help us understand ourselves and one another. We've done this before, uh, this retreat. It was very well attended. And here's the thing about this, any, this uh, Understanding People retreat. This is an, an excellent event for you to invite any of your friends to. This is not a distinctly Christian event. This is not something where they're going to get sideswiped by a bunch of religious talk. This is an excellent event if you have people in your lives who are maybe in some kind of marriage challenge or people that are going to be uh, that are struggling in some way relationally with friends or whomever. This is an excellent way to bring people to deepen our understanding of who we are and deepen our understanding of who others are. Again, you can sign up online through our event registration. And all of those things flow right out of this idea of being sent, being people who live on mission when we go out into the world. But I want to end by talking for a moment about the mission that happens here in our gathering on Sunday morning. I want to tell you something that inspires me more than anything. Gives me a sense, a deep sense, that what we are doing matters and what we are doing makes a difference. Now, I want to qualify this by saying this. I'm not alone in saying this. I speak for a number of people I know who are pastors, and I speak for a number of people on our own staff. 
We're not always so sure that what we do as a church matters or makes a difference. It's one of the hazards of the job to every now and then, maybe for long stretches, wonder, say, does this make a difference? What's the point? What are we actually doing? And I want you to know this, that what inspires me and convinces me that something of God is happening among us is when I hear stories of how you are experiencing God in and through one another. So I shared this example a moment ago of this couple that had this gathering at their house. Hearing them talk about that rattles me in ways few things do. I got a text message from someone yesterday who had just had their small group. And all it said was, had some powerful things happen today. Had someone show up and we ministered to them and cared for them. And there was this thing happening between us as we were with one another. That kind of thing is incredibly encouraging. That's when I go, I think God is up to something. And things that happen in this room that are going horizontally, the horizontal encounters that are really, as we all know, vertical encounters, people caring for other people in the presence and power of God, people ministering to one another, you ministering to someone across the room. When I see love in action, it moves me. When I see you pastoring each other, it says to me something's going on. God is up to something. That's inspirational. That's when I just want to fade into the floor and say, God, thank you. When you are pastoring one another, it's actually the way it is supposed to be. And there's something about that that says to me, that's the mission of what happens when we gather on Sunday morning. Say it this way. We are sent into a Sunday gathering to be priests and pastors to each other. So we learn to be present to God when we gather to worship through song and present to him when we pray together and present to him when we come to his table and feast. We are attentive to Jesus. We are attentive to what he is doing. And as we keep learning this and are formed in this way, we become present to each other. We become attentive to Jesus and what he is doing among us when we gather together. So a worship gathering becomes a deeper worship gathering when we come to it with our eyes and ears open to what Jesus is doing and to what he wants to do through us. We come not to an event. We come to an encounter. We come not only to receive. We come to give. We come not only to experience Jesus ourselves, but we come to help someone else experience Jesus through us. We come with our eyes and our ears open to how Jesus wants to minister to another person in the room through us. And I got to tell you, this gathering changes when you come that way. This gathering becomes a place of ministry when we come that way. This gathering becomes a place of mission when we come with those eyes and with those ears. We become priests to each other, straight out of 1 Peter. 
We become priests as Jesus moves among us and we respond and minister to each other. This is an ongoing vision I have of what these gatherings are. I don't know where it came from. I stopped worrying about it. But this is an ongoing vision of mine, and it is a growing conviction that this kind of posture changes us individually, changes us as a community, changes us while we're here, changes this experience we have, and changes us when we leave. We learn to pay attention to what God is up to in someone else, and we become the Jesus they need in that setting. So think for a moment of a time when you have experienced the presence and power of Jesus through another person on a Sunday morning. And there's only one catch. I don't mean through someone who stands up here. I mean through someone who sits in those chairs. When you have experienced the presence and power of Jesus through another person on a Sunday morning, someone's words... They just came at the right time. Someone's touch, they may or may not even realize it, what it said to you. Someone's concern that you needed to know someone was concerned in that moment. Someone's love, and they gave it to you, and you just sensed it right away. God, thank you. You offered me that, and I receive it. Let me give you a couple of examples. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting right over here and out of nowhere for no reason, just in the middle of the service, someone came up to me and they put their hand on me and they said, would you mind if I prayed for you? And I said, yeah, actually I would mind. No, I didn't say that, but they asked if they could pray for me and the details don't matter, but I'm in a stretch like you're in sometimes just feeling stuff heavy stuff, grinding, and whatever reason, there's things I can point to, but the things I can point to don't add up to what I feel like I'm in. And so when this person came and did that, there's, there's something in that that says God sees, and so he sent someone. There's another person who, on a regular basis, when we do this greeting that so many people hate, and, oh, brother, some people, I won't name them, but they find ways of leaving before the greeting happens. John Schmidt. uh, Anyway. um, (laughs) I told you I was going to do that, right? There you go. get in trouble for that probably but every time that greeting happens this person most of the time will say to me looking square in the eye blessings on you and I don't know why but that just goes right down into the core of me and I receive that and I don't know why that does so much to me but it does it's this she was just a pastor to me And I needed that. And I always need that. See, this whole deal will change when you accept your calling as a pastor and a priest to the people sitting around you. This thing up here is nothing. 
This thing up here is all intended to take a stick and to take some paper and to take some other burnable stuff and chuck a match into it and then step back. That's all this is. The action is there. The church is in those chairs. The ministry is this. Noticing, paying attention, stepping in, having guts, being present to the Spirit. I just thought of another one. Someone came up to me one time during a, I don't know if it was communion or what it was, and invited me to the back of the room and asked if they could put their hands on me and pray for me. And again, it's, it's this powerful, this is what the church is. We care for each other. We minister each, to each other. We serve one another. We're pastors to each other. We'll get you all placards that say pastor and your first name. That's what we should do. And you stick it on your chest when you walk in here. Because that's what makes a worship gathering a deeper worship gathering. It's not the songs we play. It's not the sermon. It's not the funny story. It's none of that. It's when we enter in realizing it's sacred ground. And what makes it sacred is that you're surrounded by people who are sacred in the eyes of God. And the way God does it is he sends you to them and them to you and powerful things happen. So I want to create a moment of space. We have a little bit of time. And if this goes nowhere, that's fine. Um, but I want to, we want to open up for a moment of sharing. And again, no pressure. But there's something about this question of thinking of a time when someone said or did something and you received it as being from God, where you were ministered to, where Jesus showed up on a Sunday morning to you through someone else. And again, I'm saying this on purpose. I don't mean to come across too hard on this, but I don't mean from up here. I don't mean a person from up here. I mean someone in the chairs. So we have uh, people with microphones in their hand. Again, this is risky. Good. This takes courage. Good. This is scares some of you. Too bad. This is the, this is the time of sharing around this idea of a time when God spoke to you, cared for you, showed up for you um, through someone else. So I'm going to just open up there. Do we have Mike Runner somewhere? Jordan? Okay, good. So if you have something, just raise your hand. Someone will be at your side faster than you can put your hand down. Anyone? Right back there. Steve. Well, uh, just this morning uh, when we were going to do the communal um, um, taking of the bread and and blood, I was here alone, and I actually didn't want to engage in this communal part. I'm just going to do it myself. And these two lovely people here, uh, when I was just going to walk up here by myself, um, just invited me to come with them, and it was a big deal to me. So thank you very much awesome. for doing That's that. That's great. Beautiful. Someone else? Yes, in the front here. Love that hustle, by the way. I, too, had the same experience from a wonderful lady who came up and offered to join me with communion. That was very special. 
You're Thank you. Wonderful. Someone else. One Sunday, um, my husband and I were having some health issues, and uh, Dick Lane came over and uh, prayed for us, gave us a lot of encouraging words, and I want to thank him for that. I guess I should learn how to use a mic. Um, I was in trouble about seven years ago, and Christine and pretty much my choir surrounded me, but I just ran, ran into Christine. Um, not by happenstance, but by the grace of God, one evening, and we sat in her car for like two hours while she helped me make decisions to move forward in my life um, in a way that honors uh, Jesus more fully. And she continued to see me through that process. And then CJ, when I finally made the move, um, CJ is another special person who uh, I went to her house and like pretty much crashed on her couch for two weeks while she covered me with a blanket and read Bible verses to me. So I'm here because of them in a big way and because of God's um, ability to nurture through them to me. Beautiful. Someone else? Um... I was feeling pretty defeated one day uh, a few months ago, and um, I don't know what it was, but um, somebody came up to me, and I hadn't spoken with her for uh, quite a few months. Um, she just came up to me and hugged me and told me that I was enough. My husband and I moved from Redding, California about three months ago to Folsom, and uh, on my first visit to this church, uh, Liliana, Lily, Mm -hmm. I like to call her Liliana, um, she came up to me and sat by me, and uh, we talked, and she made me feel very welcomed, and uh, this is a great church, and we're glad to be here. Thank you. Lily has a tendency of doing that. (laughs) Wonderful. Anyone else? Over here, too. Good morning. Uh, we've been part of a small group, small groups we talked about this morning, uh, for about three years now at least, maybe more, uh, the same group. And I just want to say how much that group has ministered to us, uh, our family. And we've often taken our boys uh, with us to group, and uh, they're with us for when we share a meal together. And uh, then sometimes uh, they come back up during our prayer time, and uh, not only is the group um, ministering to one another during the group time, but also, you know, we see each other uh, here on Sunday morning. Um, Just last week, one of the group members had some very encouraging words uh, to me uh, following our our most recent group meeting. So, uh, just praise God for the fellowship and the ministering that can happen in the small group. Yes, um, my name is Doug, and I've had a couple of experiences in the last, actually the last week with three different men. This morning with my friend Steve, who we've gotten to know working together here at the church. I want to thank my, uh, my, my men's group who have shared things with me. I've gone through some difficult times in the last year or so with my boys, 
and uh, <clears throat> just notes and encouragement. And then there's another man who I met uh, a couple of weeks ago at a race relations thing through another church, and uh, he invited me to. Uh, actually, we worked on the football field last night at Sac State. So just three experiences in the okay. last two weeks from Great. different men. Debbie. I noticed in the bulletin today the loss of a husband. I don't know those people, but what happened to me um, when my father died, it'll be five years this month, uh, makes me realize how important that little line is in the bulletin because I got a card in the mail from somebody I didn't know and it was somebody from the church and I still remember that card as if it was yesterday when I opened it and I realized this was someone who worked to find my address through the database of the church took the time to write a card and express her empathy with me because she had lost her father. And that was a, an incredible moment of nurture for me from this body. That's powerful. One more. Right here. You were grimacing when you got handed that microphone. But you have to good. turn it on? It's on. I want to thank... Um, Dave Fullerton, D, <laughs> Ponytail Dave, um, for taking us under his wing. I have my friends here, Rosie and Michael, who have been integral to introducing us to this church. And uh, our membership actually started at uh, Cappuccino Christmas last year. Uh, that was my first event, the first time I walked through the doors. Um, uh, Dave said, Dave was over yesterday because <laughs> I need to know how to make a lawnmower work. And he was over to try to rescue our lawnmower. And uh, after it went from the fact that the lawnmower needs professional help, um, <laughs> and we prayed for it and everything, and it just wouldn't start. Um, lawnmower needs therapy. <laughs> Dave said something that just has been resounding in me all day, uh, today and the rest of yesterday. And he said, you know, he had this group, or he's been involved in that, and he's like, when you and Bob got baptized, I was like, oh, what are they going to do? What are they going to do now? I have to go to them. I have to, I just, like because I don't know if we knew where we were going after being baptized either. And uh, he just shooped us up, and we have our little group that we have with Monica and Russ. I don't know if they're here, Um, but it's a small, intimate, um, and Lewis, it's just the the few of us. But um, we've been having, hosting that at our house, and Dave is just the bomb. (laughs) He's just um, the glue between Bob and I and keeping things rolling and keeping me sane. And I haven't had a dry eye this whole sermon. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you. you. That was really a good sermon. Thank you. Would you stand for benediction? We follow a beautiful God. We are his people. And our identity is who we are in him.
You are his beloved daughter or you are his beloved son. And so as you leave, may his grace and his peace and his power be with you all. Thanks for coming.